This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, listen, I got to tell you about my new X chair. I love it. I have never had an office chair that looks or feels so amazing in my entire life. Honestly, it is so comfortable. I could sit for hours and never feel uncomfortable. The secret is not only their patented dynamic variable lumbar support, which offers amazing support for my lower back, but now thanks to their new XHMT technology, I can also get heat and massage therapy while I'm sitting at my desk. Instead of my old, uncomfortable office chair, now I look forward to spending hours sitting in the ultimate therapeutic massager. It's incredible. The XHMT delivers heat and massage technology right to my core, helping increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy, all perks that make working from home or the office incredible. It even has four different massage modes and a fast warming heat technology for therapy when I'm sore. You will not believe the X-Chair difference until you feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. Trust me, this is the luxury supercar of office chairs. X-Chair is on sale right now for 100 bucks off. Go to xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com right now. That's the letter X, chair, rome.com. Or call one 844 for X-Chair. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchairrome.com right now. Use the code XWheels for free X-Wheel blade casters. xchairrome.com. Don't forget Charlie Weiss, man. It was my last year. I was going into my senior year. This man, Charlie Weiss, is driving around his little golf cart watching us just die in the sun with his with the Super Bowl with his rings on his finger just kind of flaunting it like he was the show I never really cared much for the guy hey now it's cracking welcome to episode 168 of the Jim Rome podcast my guest this week is NFL linebacker Will Compton straight up you're about to hear one of my favorite conversations since we launched this side hustle back in 2017 And that's because Will is that good, he's that funny, he's that insightful, he's that energetic. My man might be built for football, in fact he is, but he is really, really good at this as well. So instead of telling you, let me show you, without any further buildup, let's get right at it. Episode 168 with Will Compton starts right now. Will, so it's been a minute. Well, actually, Will, it's been probably two. My man, how the hell are you, Will? What's going on? Dude, I am so stoked to be back on the show. It's been, I don't know how long it's been, back when I was on Washington, but I'm doing well, man. I'm out in Arizona right now, hanging out with my boy, uh, Taylor Lewan, for a week out in his hometown. Uh, but life is good, bro. I have no complaints. All right, so I'm going to get to you and your boy in a minute and busting with the boys. But I saw you hiking Camelback Mountain. I need to know, how did that go for you, aside from that Instagram fart that you blasted out? <laughs> oh, man. Well, 
my fiance Charles, she loves hiking. And when we were coming out here, she's like, hey, I want to go on a hike. And I'm like, that's fine. I'll hike. I'm not a huge hiker. I'm not a big, like, outside of a couple hunt, hunting trips a year, I'm not a big outdoorsman. And so I was like, all right, we'll go on a hike. And I'm used to kind of walking around Nashville, going on like two, three mile walks, kind of around golf course, everything like that. So I'm like, you know, what's this hike going to be like? We get to this mountain. I learned it's the highest peak in, in Scottsdale or whatever. And so we start climbing and I'm starting to get a little pissed off going up to the top because I'm like, hey, I did not sign up for this shit. And so uh, when I got to the top of the mountain, we were kind of just soaking it all in. And then you're kind of like, oh, thank God, it's kind of worth it now. Uh, that's when I started to to let out the old farts heard around the world. All right, so, like, Charles, what did she think about that? Like, is she embarrassed by shit like that, or does she think, no, that's my man, that's the coolest shit ever? <laughs> it's funny because I honestly do not, I do not fart around her a whole lot. It used to be kind of a stitch in mind when I was growing up around the boys, and uh, just kind of always having those well-timed, funny farts. <laughs> and now that we're getting married, she's pretty much locked in, right? So now I can kind of let it fly a little more, and now I can kind of pick my moments. And obviously, I'm going to choose social media all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, it's like it's my second favorite NFL hiking story. And believe me, there is another one, if you can believe that. And the incredible thing was Steve Smith said to me recently, you know, I was hiking. And I'm like, really? How'd that go for you? He goes, look at me, man. How do you think that went for me? Do I look like a guy who would hike? I'm from the inner city in Los Angeles. He's like, yeah. but then I get out there and it's amazing. I love it. And, you know, I'm being honest. Well, this is not a guy that I text with or trade text with, although I absolutely love Steve Smith. I've always been fascinated by Steve. One day out of nowhere, a text pops in and it's Steve and his family in Montana hiking. And I'm like, dude, Steve Smith is texting me pictures of hiking. So you letting out that <laughs> fart, on, fart on camera back is my second favorite NFL hiking story. <laughs> That's awesome. Now you know when I go hiking, I'm going to be fixated to get your attention now moving forward. There you go, but the bar is high, man. The bar yeah. is high. All right, so will you, you're in the thick, or we're in the thick of free agency. The last couple of years, you signed in mid-August or so. So where are you at right now? Like, do you badly want to stay in this fight, or maybe are you stepping back, looking around, and thinking about the next move on the chessboard? You know, I, I, I just love, at this point, uh, you know, I'm 31, a very young, sexy 31 for any NFL teams listening. Right. Uh, but at this point, I love playing football. Like, I love the camaraderie. I love being in the locker room. I love, you know, embracing the suck because now I can see it with a little more perspective. I used to be very young, very disciplined, hardworking, still am, but you just, you always obsessed and stressed over free agency coming, any offseason about who they would draft, who they wouldn't draft. And you always had so much pressure on all these off seasons. But like you said, the last couple of years I've kind of signed mid-August. I've felt, you know, I've worked on a few things transitionally with busting with the boys and a few other things off the field to where I've kind of alleviated that stress to where I'm able to enter in the free agency, not necessarily needing football, but I just, I want to play football. I want to play with the boys. Like you, my whole mantra about being for the boys. And I'm just in a better headspace about it. So I never stress over it. Uh, last year, the last two years, the whole idea was, um, you know, once I got done with the Titans in 18, I was a special teams backup guy, similar to this past year. And I knew I would probably be labeled as a minimum year veteran. And knowing that, it was like, you know, how much wear and tear do I want to put on my body in camp? Because that plays into my durability and longevity and everything else. If I'm going to be in this box, every team knows what I am, what I'm about, the intangible stuff, the locker room stuff, all that stuff that I get labeled as. So no matter what, I should have a job getting close to season when linebackers go down because the injury rate, rate is 100%. So the last two years, I've kind of just tried, you know, sitting back and letting it all play out before deciding to go to a team. Um, so it's the same approach this year. I'm not very stressed about it. I enjoy sitting back 
seeing it all unfold. I know when the timing is right, it'll be right. But until then, you know, I'll be working on busting the boys and everything else that you see me doing on social media. Like a vet. That shit is tactical. Man, that is tactical. I see you working. You know, it's become almost cliche, but I'm fascinated by this concept. And I want to hear your thoughts on it. Embracing the suck. I mean, let's, let's not lose track of that, man. There's, there's a lot of power in that if you really understand it and you really implement it. What's that mean to you, embracing the suck? To me, to me embracing the suck means... You are going to, you know, now that uh, I am longer in the tooth with everything, I know 31 is actually very young, but in the football world, it's, it's older. Um, to me, embracing the suck is just knowing you're going to, shit is going to hit the fan. Like when people talk about, you know, you wake up, I'm this, I'm super in the law of attraction, but doing the whole positivity stuff, it's only going to last you so long. Like there's going to be plenty of moments when shit hits the fan, stuff is not going to go your way. And the next choice you make is kind of what plays into defining you as a player, as a human, as all the stuff that you're into. So uh, for me, it's about embracing all the failures along the way, understanding that they're coming, whether you want them to or not. It's not like I plan on failures, but I, I very much equip my mind um, for the adversities that are, that are to come. You know, I wish and I set goals and I do all these things about wanting, you know, wanting success, what it all means to me. Um, and just not b- being afraid to fail when those failures start to come my way. So that's what that's kind of what I mean by embracing the suck. I love living by the whole mantra, be a fucking wolf. Um, I think a lot plays into that as well. But, you know, the whole nobody cares, work harder, embracing the suck, be a fucking wolf, grit, spit, all of it. That is what I'm about, dude. Dude, I love all of that. Okay, the mantra, be a fucking wolf. Again, it seems yeah. self-evident, but what's that mean to you? What do you mean by that? Um, pretty much what I've been talking about. Like, you know, I've been... Um, I feel like I've been labeled and I love it now. You know, I was undrafted at the time when you're in that kind of fishbowl about being undrafted and you got to climb. You don't understand how high the uh, hill is, how high the climb is when you are an undrafted guy, when you're on the bottom of every depth chart. And I'm always fascinated to get to know some undrafted guys year in and year out and kind of learn about their psyche and, you know, try and help a little bit the way I can. Um, But it's kind of just something I've uh, gravitated towards because I've just always felt like an underdog. And I always kind of had that chip on my shoulder to where, again, undrafted. I've always been labeled. I've always been kind of living on these one-year minimums. I've always, you know, so far taken advantage of all of my opportunities when I've gotten the opportunities to play. When things don't go my way, and, you know, in my world, if I get benched politically in a coach's world, it might just be the right thing to do. But you're living in your own world the whole time. So when you're bitter about stuff and you just understand that you just continue to have chips stacked against you in my mind anyway and it's just me being able to gravitate towards be a fucking wolf nobody cares you know work harder it doesn't matter what people are saying about you there could be shit you get fixated on that you're just kind of like suck like man this sucks that i'm talked about like this but just knowing that i control what the next moves are and when i come out on the other side of that you just have this liberating feeling that what you thought you were played out and uh what you believed in how pushing through those adversities, how they've all kind of worked out in your favor, whether or not they worked out in a, in a perception that says, Oh, that dude is amazing. It's not, you know, I'm not going to go down as a hall of famer, but it's like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like you just come out on the other side and you're just like, yo, I am who I thought I was like fighting through all the bullshit. Well, I fucking know. All right, dude. That's why I keep (laughs) asking you, man. I love this. I, I, I could do this for hours and I know you could do it for hours. 
Dell's semi-annual sale is the perfect opportunity for a significant business upgrade. You can save up to 45% on Dell computers built for business and powered by Intel Core processors and enjoy special pricing on Dell docks, monitors, servers, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Speak to a Dell Technologies advisor today and find the right tech for your business with fast, free shipping. You want to call 877-ASK-DELL. That number is 877-ASK-DELL. One last time, 877-ASK-DELL. You know, from a football standpoint, I, I understand the mindset. I know where you're going with that, and it's real. It's real. But when you're undrafted coming out of college, and you had a really nice college career, when that happened, did you ever, and again, you had already started to kind of train yourself mentally already, but when that happened, it would be natural to doubt yourself and think maybe, damn, maybe I'm not what I thought I was. Or are you thinking, the fuck is wrong with everybody else? The fuck is wrong with this universe? In what world am I not getting drafted? Uh, all of it. All right. of it, honestly. If I'm being very transparent, all of those mindsets would play into my mind uh, day in and day out, especially when I was in that first training camp and I was the bottom of the depth chart. And I, uh, I tore my hamstring that first training camp, and it was actually a very pivotal, mo- a very pivotal moment, one of my more defining moments for my career. Um, but you just, I remember uh, family and friends would come in town and I would, you know, I would say the words like, yeah, I, I honestly, I don't care if I only play one year, the NFL, this whole business side that I've kind of seen really shunned me the wrong way. And when I honestly would check myself and think about it, I know at the end of the day, like I'm just bitching because I'm scared of what failure might look like. Like, okay, I played at Nebraska. I was a very good linebacker in Nebraska. And now I'm entering this world of the NFL, which is like, no one knows who you are like you thought you, they might know. And you're kind of on your own again. And you're very uncomfortable in those waters. And when you're uncomfortable, you fear a lot of stuff. And when you fear a lot of stuff, you start making up these realities and bending the reality a little bit more to fit the narrative that I'm trying to tell myself, which was, I don't care if I only play one year. You know, the business of the NFL, man, you know, they weren't giving me my shot, this, this, and that. These are conversations that I'm having that everyone pretty much has with themselves. But when you actually get to the depth of what, why you're saying those things to yourself, you realize it's just a fear that you just need to get, that you need to get over because it's not necessarily real fear. It's fear of like ultimately what other people are thinking when you do fail or if it doesn't work out or if busting with the boys starts off and it's a laughing stock and they reach, they said too much shit. And now we got to, we have to deplatform or we have to throw it away because coaches or anybody else didn't like it. It's like those things when you sit and actually sit down and ask yourself, what are you feeling and why are you having these kinds of negative talks? When you get to the bottom of it, you realize like, Hey, like stop taking yourself so fucking seriously and go after these things that you want. Because if you do come out on the other side, you're going to feel so much better about, you know, growing from all of it. That is where you grow is when you are super uncomfortable, you're scared to death and you know, you're backed into a corner and you just got to come out swinging the whole, you know, be a fucking wolf thing, man. I love it. See, the thing is, Will, you know this, and I know exactly what you're saying. What you're saying is if you take that swing and it doesn't work out, yeah, maybe there's regret, but there's so much more regret if you don't take that swing and you're always left wondering what could have been, what should have been, what would have been. I didn't have the balls to take the swing. Now, the pod, Busting with the Boys, dude, it is so good with you and Taylor Lewan. It's a blast. I mean, it's really good and really well done. How much fun are you having with it? And then secondarily, that point that you made, yeah, what if the coaches don't get it? What if the players don't get it? You know, like the landscape, there's a fucking a million and one podcasts. 
Where did you want to plant your flag and how did you want to create your separation in that space? Yeah. Um, well, number one, I, I'm having a blast doing busting with the boys, especially when you're getting to build a business with your best friend. I think that's very rare. And fortunately, Taylor and I get to do that. And um, with that, obviously, comes, you know, opinions that necessarily I might make up in my head, um, opinions that might be real. And you're kind of navigating these waters because, again, when we started this thing, there were no active football players or active NFL players doing a podcast. And that was kind of how I wanted to plant my flag. I remember being in Washington and writing down in my journal. It was like a three-year point, like a three-year visions and goals that I had. One was get a get a longer-term deal, three years, nine million dollars. Another one was start uh, start or you know get a piece of real estate in Virginia. And the other one was with podcasting was be the first NFL active player with a podcast slash NFL coach. I didn't know, still don't know if I want to get in the coaching world yet. And so the flag I wanted to plant was being the first in the space. I think there's a lot of power to that. Because when I sit back and I have these conversations with you and I'm so fascinated with the mentality of everybody and learning from the guys in the locker room, you have these conversations in the sauna, in the cold tub, in the treatment room, all around the locker room, all around the building, that in your mind you're thinking, I would love to have these on a microphone because people don't know the, the football player behind the helmet. We're always underneath the helmet. We're always in a cattle call, whether it's the combine, you have a number, you wear the same uniforms. No one really understands the player. And you do so much for the logo, for the emblem, for the shield, for the team, that when life is done, it's a real stat that 70 to 80% of players go broke. Um, a lot of guys have a very hard time transitioning. Myself still being one of them. Like, it's going to be scary when you get to the other side. And so I wanted to learn how to make the sport work for me than always just working for the sport. Because when you get done, those same people that brought you in and gave you a job, they're not going to make sure and hold your hand and transition you into life after that. They got what they wanted out of you, and now you're done, whether or not you know. Like, I could be sitting here retired, and I don't know it yet. I just might never get a call. And no one's going to hold my hand through that transition. So for me, I wanted to be an example and kind of pioneer, like, putting myself out there, being kind of not a superstar and showing that, hey, you can build your brand, whatever that means. Everybody's trying to define it nowadays. But just kind of put myself out there, use my stories, my philosophies that I like, um, that I switch all the time and have conversations with people that allow the younger generation or the athlete that is watching us and kind of take, um, um, you know, take courage into like, yo, I can do some of this stuff that I'm wanting to do. I shouldn't be scared, you know, tiptoeing around, stepping on eggshells because of what other people might think. And so that was kind of um, a lot of the drive behind wanting to do busting with the boys outside of doing it with your best friend, being the first in the space, and having all these fun conversations because I was inspired by guys like yourself, Joe Rogan, Ben Greenfield, comedians, like this whole world because I've always been fascinated with podcasting. But that's where, that's where it all happened for me. Really, really smart. And it's amazing how much the game has changed. I understand that it can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting on a train. And if the signals are going and that train's not even there yet, you might feel a bit tempted to try to sneak across the tracks. Don't do it. Don't ever do that. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving a lot slower than they really are. And they cannot stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over an entire mile to stop. Over a mile to stop. By that time, it's too late, and the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is this. You cannot know how quickly the train will arrive. 
The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it still ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. I'm so glad you mentioned Ben Greenfield. Will, I was going to ask you about him because I know he's one of the inspirations for you getting into the podcasting game. Now, you you know, I've done this for three decades plus. I've interviewed thousands of people. Hell, maybe even tens of thousands of people. I've interviewed every kind of athlete in every imaginable sport, but I'm not sure I've ever spoken to a dude quite like Greenfield. I mean, seriously, I'm curious as a high-level athlete like yourself, why are you so intrigued by this guy? What is it about Greenfield specifically that resonates with you so much? Well, I um, I started listening to Greenfield because of Joe Rogan. I had listened to him on he was doing stuff with PPC 157 and talking about all these recovery methods with uh, infrared lighting and the juve lights and um, you know when you're very in it and obsessed with like recovery and everything like that, you started to just adapt some of his things that he did. I would listen to his stuff all the time, and uh, when I got to Tennessee and got to know Taylor through all that stuff, we would do the whole we call each other accountability buddies. And we would start kind of doing all these methods with the sauna and the fire and ice and these recovery methods that he would talk about. So I just got really fascinated with how he uh, optimizes body through recovery, performance, and everything else and try to use it to help me in football. All right. So this dude, in, on top of all that, he also, because he was doing some work with men's health, I, I, don't, I don't know if this is the proper way to phrase it, but I'm going to use the phrase you just used. The guy also tried to optimize his own dick. Yeah, yeah. Dude, dude, he injected his dick with stem cell. Now, I don't know about you. I know he's curious. I know he's a journo. I know he's committed. Dude, I'm not curious or committed enough about anything to inject my dick with anything. How about you? You know, I uh, was very fascinated with that podcast. And when he was uh, injecting his his piece with stem cell (laughs) and doing the red light and the shockwave therapy, it's nothing that I think I would do. But if he had enough of the research that backed it, I promise you I would have probably been in there already. Wow, man. You're better than me. You're better. I mean, I knew that already. You're better than me, but you're better than me. <laughs> Listen, dude, you mentioned Nebraska. Now, you were a great high school player in Missouri. You made up your mind. You wanted to go to Notre Dame. I get that. You even set it up that way. You went to their camps. You wanted to make sure that they were aware of you and what you were all about. It was a no-brainer, but you ended up in Nebraska instead. How come? What happened? Well, uh, the short answer is Bo Pelini and his staff. When uh, growing up, I went to a Catholic school, so my teacher, our principal, would always bring back memorabilia from a Notre Dame game she went to. So I was always into Notre Dame. Obviously, you had the Rudy movie, and uh, I just always wanted to go there. Like you said, I went to their camps every year to try to get noticed, and I was kind of um, a backup plan for them. They first, they, when they offered me, it was for fullback, and they kind of told me that if it didn't work out at fullback, they would put me at linebacker because they had a few guys committed already for linebacker. And so that kind of steered me away. And then when Bo Pelini and his staff came in um, at the last minute and sat with my family in the living room and we had a great time, like that's when I knew I wanted to play for a guy like Bo. Well, really quick, so like the Nebraska experience. I mean, I, I could lay this out. It would take me a minute. I may do so depending on where you're at time-wise. But I remember as a California native, a Los Angeles native, when I first started building my business and we had a network to build the first time I went to Nebraska and my reaction to it, I want to save that for one minute. What about the experience overall for you, playing there, living there, going to school there? What was that like? Playing at Nebraska? Yes, Oh, it's one of the best decisions I made going to Nebraska over because I was close to either going to Missouri or Illinois. 
And that was back when Illinois was in the Rose Bowl and Nebraska, or, uh, Mizzou had Chase Daniel and Jeremy Macklin. Um, but playing for Bo in that system, I, I really feel like prepared me for the NFL just because Bo, he was very simple with calls. He ran kind of everything under the sun, but there were always so many adjustments and checks that you had to do at all times. Like he would have damn near three calls going into a game, but checks to every formation and just understanding tendencies of what an offense would do. I feel like that kind of set me up for uh, going undrafted and kind of being a rookie at the beginning and having to go to practice squad and then ultimately like being prepared to play. Um, so making that decision to go to Nebraska was pretty, uh, was big for me. And uh, as far as going there for a school, you know, I had a blast there. Um, I grew up in Bonterre, Missouri, very small town, USA. So going to a place like Lincoln was still like a big city to me. So just getting to experience all that was, uh, was a lot of fun. All right, so Will, humor me on this. Let me, because you're in the media game right now, you may or may not be able to relate to this because the world was so different when I broke in. But when I syndicated my radio program, a program that you've been on in the early to mid-90s, there was no social media at all, not much internet, maybe like some Prodigy or AOL, some black and white 14.4 bullshit. Like I would literally solicit and read faxes on the air. I mean, never mind tweets or email or texts. Dude, fucking right. faxes, right? So we're adding yeah. affiliates one, two at a time. And every time we did, an existing affiliate would talk so much shit about whatever station we added. Like take, if I added Council Bluffs, Iowa, the San Diego listeners would just crucify them. It was like affiliate hazing. So, right. so we add Omaha, Nebraska, and it's a total shit show from the jump. I'm like, every other affiliate is coming for them. The, this is going to go so badly. But the most amazing thing happened. Omaha starts to blow up the phones. And keep in mind, this is like early, mid-90s. And they're standing in, dude. And they're trading. And they're landing. And it's incredible. Like, I've never been there in my life. And I love these people. I get on a plane. I take the show on the road. I do it in Nebraska. They're like literally the best people I've ever met. They're the nicest people I've ever met. They're talking shit. They're throwing with everybody. And then I do a show there, and it's like, I, it's the best thing ever. Like, these people are amazing. What were they like oh, when you met them? Dude, it was, uh, it's funny. So we're, um, we're chilling the other night um, with Taylor's family, and we're like, yeah, let's throw on the, uh, 20, the 2012 Michigan versus Nebraska game. And so we're watching this, old, we're watching this game back from uh, 2012, and Taylor, just like everybody else who talks about playing in Nebraska, just always talks about how it's so weird playing at the stadium because – they don't necessarily chirp you whether you not whether or not you play good or play bad. They're always, like, congratulating you at the end, like, hey, I hope you're healthy. Like, just these weird, not necessarily backhanded compliments, but it's just the weirdest environment to play in because they're, like, on your side at the same time. That's it. That's it. So let me throw you back a little bit further. So imagine I'm in the middle of it when they're still – Nebraska, all right? They're coming off a national championship. Dude, you will not believe this. Not only when I stepped off that plane, they made me an honorary citizen of the state. They gave me a key to the city to Omaha. But best of all, when I do this show live... The Peter Bros show up. Christian and Jason Peter. Jared Tomich is there. They do my show. And, dude, later that night, I go out with these guys. And we're going... Oh, shit. Dude, we're going hard imagine jim rome five foot ten jim rome trying to hang with christian and jason peter all right so years later those guys like oh my god dude like they're jersey boys oh my god dude they went hard they they went hard they were loud and they were hard but they they, we had fun man i think 
I think. See, that's the point of my story. Like, like I interviewed Grant Wistrom years later when he was in the league and I was still on ESPN. And during a commercial break, I try to tell him this story. He looks at me, you know, really nicely, but he cuts me off. He goes, yeah, Rome, I heard about that night. I'm like, really? What did you hear about that night? Because I don't remember anything about that night. Can you fill in the blanks, bro? Yeah. Have you read uh, Jason's book? The yes. Hero? Oh, dude. Yes. Yes. That, yes. That's, um, I can only imagine what those dudes were like in the 90s. Yeah. Well, okay. So they were still playing when I, I happened. And I had never been to Nebraska. You can only imagine oh, what that they, weekend was oh, like, dude. It was still, amazing. They were still playing when yes. you partied with them. Dude, they had just come off a national championship. Oh, so you were, you were part of the, the Underground Hero book party days. Uh, for a weekend, for one night, <laughs> yeah, for just one yeah. night, dude. And and but when you're in it, you don't know, man. I'm a young guy. I'm on the way up. This is, I'm thinking this is normal. And now I'm looking back. I'm like, holy shit! How did that? I mean, amazing, right? Let That's me ask a good you. Story. So, dude, appreciate that, man. Thank you. So, like, if Scott Frost, I love Scott Frost. If he can't fix this thing, then I would argue nobody can. Is he going to be able to? You know, I'm I'm rooting for him too. I know, uh, but I agree. It's like if he's not going to fix it, then I don't necessarily know you know, what people expect just because he's the guy, like when Bo was there and the guys before, and Callahan, it's people always wanted to get back to the 90s. And it was always 90s this, 90s that. Like the Peters brothers would come and talk to us. Um, and if Scott Frost can't do it, then I don't necessarily know it's going to make Nebraska happy. Uh, just because I think, you know, looking back, I think the Big Ten moves ultimately hurt us mm-hmm. for recruiting, for everything else. Because when you're in the Big 12, you could recruit Texas because, hey, we're going to play there a few times a year. Families would trust that they're sending their kids to Nebraska because they got the, they would be in driving distance to some, of these, to some of these cities to go watch and play. Now in the Big Ten, the closest city to play or to drive to or to travel is Nebraska. And pretty much you have to change your pipe to uh, the Northeast. And you're not going to win in the Northeast when you have the Michigans of the world, the Ohio State. Like, why wouldn't you just go there then travel all the way west to go to Nebraska? So I think the move ultimately kind of hurt us recruit the Texases of the world, California, all that stuff. And now you're with the big dogs in the Northeast. Dude, I think, you na- I think you nailed that. Are you craving some great protein after a good workout? Of course you are. Except this time, don't make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Well, it's awesome. And because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. And on top of that, Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can, in fact, taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, hot and spicy if you need a little extra zing. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, reach for a bag of Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? I got to ask you about fuel for a minute. You and Derek Henry, you, well, you had him on the bus recently, and you guys got into a great discussion about best burgers. Actually, well, actually, the big fella didn't, right? He was waffling a little bit, but apparently the burger wars are a huge deal in the locker room. Where do you come out? Who has the best burger? Man, it is so hard to say who has the best burger um, because I'm such a foodie. 
and I love like listening to the boys go at it in the locker room and I'm more of like the Don King. You step in and stir the pot a little more and you just label somebody that you label them how they don't want to be labeled. They get to yelling. Guys are pointing fingers going back and forth at each other. You say a little more to stir the pot. But, uh, man, I will say my favorite burger so far as of recent in the last six months, I'm giving it to five guys. They're, now, the trick is because I went on a little bender one day, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to these spots around Nashville. I'm going to hit the Shake Shack. Shake Shack is phenomenal, by the way. Don't sleep on Shake Shack. Um, I went to Shake Shack, five guys, um, cookout. What else was there? There's a few more. Dairy Queen was in there, but that's just more because I love their blizzards. Um, Fuck and yeah. I went to five guys first. And the key for me was getting the junior cheese. Because the big ones, you know how it is. You've got the – there's so much grease juice in them it's a huge filling burger i'm talking you know over a thousand maybe two thousand calories but if you get the junior it sits in your hand it's got a nice weight in your hand it's not uncontrollable you know what i mean it competes a little more with the in and outs of the world where it's a smaller burger and it's got some nice weight to it the bread isn't too soft so it doesn't get soggy with the juices <laughs> if you know what i'm saying yes and you get some cheese you get the regular toppings with the tomato. I'm not a big lettuce guy, so I'll do without the lettuce. You can throw a party with the onions because I'm a big red onions guy. And go a little mustard mayo. I like the mayo a little bit. I know it's a little fatting, but we're at five guys. And I think the Junior Cheeseburger at five guys is the major play. I can go without their fries. I don't think they have the best fries. Too a little soggy. I like a little more crisp. But I'm going to say five guys, the junior cheeseburger. Wow, dude, that was brilliantly done. That was brilliantly done. I <laughs> Look, I'm an L.A. guy, and my first job ever was at In-N-Out. You're not talking me off that point. I love In-N-Out. Hey, I think that, that that's the best. That right there is going to get us some, get, it's going to get us some headway. Not for me, it won't. I, you know, If we're talking clips, take this clip. Five guys is ass. I'm an In-N-Out oh. guy, man. There's your hey, clip, dude. There's your know, clip, that's, dude. That's, this ain't, this ain't the fucking bus, dude. I'll delete all that shit you just said. No one's even going to hey, hear it. You won't see the light of day, you, brother. Yeah, you and no, I'm kidding. be ganging up on me with In-N-Out because he's right. a big In-N-Out guy, too. The problem with you guys, and you know what? I'm going to go ahead and label you as you guys. I was going to say, don't you guys me. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, got the, you got guys in Texas that swear right. by Whataburger. Phenomenal right. burger. You got guys in Cali and Arizona that swear by the In-N-Out. It's a phenomenal burger. But you guys, you, you got a lot of pride in the way, and you got to leave emotion on the side. <laughs> You got to give a good rational. You got to take. You got to eat it for what it is, not the way you are. And I think you got a lot of pride with you, Jim. And so you're never going to deviate from the in and out. Dude, but I respect. There's, there's something, dude. There's something to it, man. And I would love to push back on you, but there is something to that. You're right. There's regional pride, and you got to take. Like you got to leave your ego at the door, but. Maybe it's not ego. It's just pride. You're right. I'm not coming off that. And I, I respect that you respect me for not coming off it. All right, so last thought then. Like, you played for John Gruden, Will, and a couple of years back, he called you, quote, a weird guy. Now, you and I both know that weird is good. Weird is good. Yes, yes. All right? So, like, that aside, like, if he describes you as weird, how would you describe him? Oh, if I'm weird, I don't know what a word is to describe Coach Gruden. I do. I, I do. If you need help, I do, but go ahead. <laughs> Help me out. What do you got for him? What do you have? Fat. <laughs> and I got to follow um, on that, too, that I want to get to in a minute, but go ahead. Um, I uh, Man, it's like when I went to play for Coach Gruden and the Raiders, um, you know, I played for his brother Jay when I was at Washington. Sure. And he came with them uh, for the Monday night game against Pittsburgh when I happened to uh, be a Gruden grinder. So I got to sit and talk with him and kind of talk about my story a little bit and uh, just got to know him. So when I got to go out and play for him a few years later in Vegas – it was pretty surreal because it's, it's, it's like a, 
it's like a, a growing up. It's like a bucket list coach that you get to play for because you saw you witnessed him win it, win it, win it all with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and um, getting to be around him and already knowing his brother, you just kind of had a, a relationship with him. So I just always kind of felt comfortable around him and comfortable enough to mess with him. That ultimately led him to calling me weird. Uh, but uh, I enjoy playing for him. I know it's a little more stressful being an offensive guy playing for him, uh, but I, I absolutely love playing for him and the Raiders. I respect that. So help me with this, Will, and this is my last thought for you. I, I, don't, I mean, I really don't know the answer to this. I'm asking you something, and I've always been curious about this. But, like, you've played for every kind of coach – but every kind of coach will demand that you make sacrifices, will demand that you be disciplined. Now, don't get me wrong. You do all this anyway. But if they're demanding that you be in supreme condition, and some of them are, like some of them you would never mess with. You know they're throwing the weights around. But some of them look like they've never pushed away from a table or walked into a weight room. Is that not hypocritical to you? I've always wondered what super conditioned athletes think when their coaches are demanding that from them, but they're not doing any of that themselves. Yeah, I guess I haven't thought about that. That's a good question. I've never really uh, taken the taken the stance of sitting back and seeing what my head coaches are about physically um, when they're kind of demanding. Because when you're when you're head coach in the NFL, you can kind of just stand behind your strength position coach, or really any of them for that matter. You you hire a strength coach and you just kind of see the strength coach as the uh, physique of the huh. team. Um, but I've never thought about that, man. That's a, I like that, too, because when they are talking about it, you can kind of bust their balls back. Vrabel would be hard, too, because that right. man gets after it. Right. Vrabel gets absolutely after it. And Bo, he, he would always run for miles at a time on a treadmill. He probably can't push a weight to save his life. Um, Vrabel absolutely gets after it. Jay, the Grudens, yeah, they're a, little, they're, a little, uh, they're a little high on the BMI scale. All right, so like as an example, and I'm not looking to keep you, but like Notre Dame, right? Let's go back to that. This guy was very, very sharp intellectually. Charlie Weiss would be a little higher on that scale, right? Don't forget Charlie Weiss, man. Uh, when I went, it was my last year. I was going into my senior year, and I went out and I did the senior camp for them. This man, Charlie Weiss, is driving around his little fucking golf cart, watching us just die in the sun with his with the Super Bowl with his rings on his finger just kind of flaunting it like he was he was the show you know what I mean he's not there to get to know he it never seemed like anyway like he was there to get to know any players or recruits I'm out there busting my ass in the sun obviously trying to earn a scholarly but I have such a bad taste in my mouth with the way Charlie Weiss uh, is he might be a phenomenal dude I have no clue but I know when he rode around that golf cart and just kind of had himself sat on his high horse the whole time during his football camp with his rings on and shit like that I never really cared much for the guy. Dude, I, there's no, first of all, respect for a really honest answer. I'm not letting you go on that note. That's not what I was looking for. I did not know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that, dude, by the way, but I, I did not know, and I didn't want to put you in that spot. Well, I do want to say this to you, dude. I mean this sincerely, dude. You, you are doing so well, and I'm not being patronizing at all, you know, like some old guy going, hey, man, you're doing pretty well. Dude, you really have, you understand this. You understand the process. You've thought about this shit long before other people were thinking about this, and you're making the most of your opportunity. You're in this space. You're killing it. You understand content. You understand pushing out content. And most of all, you understand that you got to respect the process, man. And then that's a figure of speech. You are working really hard at it. I know you care about it. And actually, dude, I am proud of you, and I will say it. So, you know, fuck you. <laughs> hey, Jim. I'm I mean so that sincerely, dude. You, you are doing really, really well. I appreciate that, man. I, I really do. I know I was telling you before uh, we got on the pod that when I got to do my interview with you and we were talking about sports psychology back when I was on the, skin, or on the uh, football team, um, 
that when you happen to follow me, it kind of was like one of those highlights where you're like, oh, fucking awesome. Jim Rome has followed me on Twitter. Uh, but I, I do appreciate that, man. I really do uh, take pride in trying to understand the process before it all happens or just kind of prepare myself for any situation. And, you know, when you're, when you're a guy who's been at the, on the bottom half of rosters and stuff, you've got to think about that shit, man, because you're the only one that lays on your pillow at night with all the stresses in the world. You know what I mean? Nobody else is carrying your stress. So when, when you do transition and when all these things happen, um, I like to think about what's, what I'm going to do about it and trying to, uh, try to be ahead of the game before it happens. Because you know why, dude, you, and this is why you and I connect. I mean, like, yes, you're in the NFL. No, I never played football, but we kind of think similarly and you understand, and I understand this ain't no one come to save us, right? Ain't oh, no dude, one coming hey, to save us. Amen to that, bro. No one is coming to fucking save you. I love that saying. My man, Will, I appreciate you so much, dude. Great job. Thank you very much for your time. You just made a huge time commitment. I know you're in Arizona with your guy, Taylor Lewan, doing Bustin' with the Boys. I listen to it all the time. I would encourage others to do so. And, dude, you are the best, man. Thank you so much. Jim, thanks a lot for having me. And when you come to Nashville, please let me know because you need to get on the bus. Oh, dude, I'd love to, man. I would love to. I'd be honored to. All right, dude. Dude, that'd be so sick. But thanks a lot for having me, brother. Listen, nobody likes I told you so guy, but I told you so. Like, how good was that? My thanks to Will Compton for carving out some quality minutes and absolutely crushing it. Now, I did mention right off the top, this is episode 168. So if you're new around here, there is plenty to get caught up on. Make sure you check out my previous conversations. I've talked to the likes of Aaron Rodgers, Bob Costas, Brandon Boyd, Tony Hawk, Danny DeVito, Kevin and Bean, David Goggins, Rex Chapman, Mark Cuban, Maury Povich, Stephen A. Smith, Charles Barkley, and so many other A-listers from every sort of genre. Make sure you get subscribed so you never miss another episode. That's it for now. No pod next week, but I will be back Wednesday, April 7th. Until then, here are your voicemails. First new message. Man Smack! You are a podcast-making, beef-taking, cash-raking, son-of-a-gun. Woo! Message saved. Next message. What's up, Jimmos? It's Dr. Dave. You know, it's kind of weird how every time I go to a drive-thru and I'm trying to get my little cheat on after a really strong Peloton workout, I ask for no ice in my fucking drink, and they always seem to screw it up. Is it really that hard to not put ice in the drink? I have sensitive teeth. I don't want the ice. Fuck off if you get my order wrong. Later. Message deleted. Next message. Yo, Romulus. Matt in L.A. here. I got some continuation beef. You know, my beef is with Hawk. He always puts me on the air. When I'm hands down the woke, worst caller of all time into the jungle. I add nothing. I try to sound smart. You know, war. DJ the Bay Champ and War Bay Rings 2010, 2012, 14, 15, 16, 18. Outro. Message deleted. Next message. Romy, it's Matt in Alaska. Just got back from a little trip down to Vegas to see friends and family. 
and we went and ate at Javier's in the Aria. And I've been listening to you talk about Javier's in Southern California for 10 years now. And holy shit, you weren't kidding. That is some incredible, incredible food. And the jalapeno margarita, that thing is top notch. Appropriately spiced, appropriately jalapenoed. And my God, was it good. Props to you, Romy, and props to Mr. Javier. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim Rome. Uh, Matthew in Indiana. Just wanted to call and rep all of those of us who are grinding, grinding, working, working. Uh, don't always have have time to call and, and say what's up, but you're doing great, man. Keep it up. Uh, War, uh, Matt in L.A., the plumber, talking shit on Tell Me For Tea to the Billionaire. That's classic. Unwar, Dr. Dave, representing the great city of Chicago and the Midwest. It's so much cooler than he is up here. Message saved. Next message. Damn, Rome. I thought you'd pick up, man. Message deleted. You have no more messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.